Welcome to California Nation. I'm your host, Brian Anderson. Today, we bring you a special edition of the podcast. We're dedicating the entire show to focus on some key California races in Tuesday's election that could determine who controls the House of Representatives. You'll hear from party leaders, House candidates, young voters, and get an inside look into how campaigns are being managed. All right, enjoy the show. We are not going to have a circus here. I appreciate the president's tweet when he thanked me. Can you please hug me? (laughs) California's leaders are in open defiance of federal law. You know what, everybody? They never thought we could do it. It's Wednesday evening in Anaheim, and Orange County Republicans are holding a rally to gather support for Proposition 6, a ballot measure to eliminate recent gas tax increases approved by the state legislature. That's a good point, because we would not have even earned a place on the ballot for the gas tax repeal without dedicated, courageous leaders. But the politicians in attendance aren't just state legislators. They're also a trove of Republicans running for the House of Representatives. There's young Kim, who's running for an open seat in Congressional District 39. That's in Northwest Orange County. We can do this. We can do it. Let's do it. Yes on six. Yes on six. Yes on six. Orange County is at the epicenter of a national discussion about a blue wave in the upcoming midterms. The Southern California area, wedged between Los Angeles and San Diego, has been among the most reliably Republican districts in California. But it has grown more diverse in the last few years, giving Democrats an opportunity to swoop in and capitalize on the momentum they're building. Last week, I drove seven hours from Sacramento to Orange County, where I spent 48 hours getting a feel for what things were like on the ground. On today's show, I talk with young voters, top candidates on the ballot, and take you inside the campaign of one of the most contested races in the country. In Orange County, students could be a deciding factor in determining which House candidates come out on top. It's a Thursday morning and I'm driving in heavy traffic to UC Irvine and Cal State Fullerton to talk to young voters. When I arrive at the two colleges, I'm struck by a pattern that quickly emerges. I'm a reporter. Are you registered to vote this year? Yeah, I am. Okay. And are you registered to vote? Yes, sir. I'm voting by mail, so I'm probably going to send mine in either today or tomorrow. Are you registered to vote? Yeah. Are you registered to vote this year? Uh, I already voted by mail. Are you guys registered to vote? Yes. Uh, I'll put it this way. I feel like for the majority, a lot of people are going to vote at UCI. I interview 26 college students. 25 of them tell me they're registered to vote and plan to cast a ballot in the upcoming midterms. Um, for me, I think it's, well, yeah, I think it's different. I think over the last couple of years, we've seen a lot of change with the government, and especially for kids our age, we want to see different kinds of change that are happening in the government. So it's important for us to like put in our opinion and vote people in who will represent our opinions. In the 2016 presidential election, adults between the ages of 20 and 35 are considered millennials. The number of millennials eligible to vote surpassed Gen X, making millennials the second largest voting bloc in the country. 
62 million of them were eligible to vote, according to the Pew Research Center. But while millennials may have grown in numbers, just over half of them showed up at the polls. They were 12 percentage points behind the next lowest voting group. Now, turnout's always lower in non-presidential years, posing concern for Democrats who have traditionally benefited when more people vote. But will 2018 be any different? Will young people actually show up to vote? Those are the questions campaigns across the country are asking themselves. Do you know who your congressional representative is or who your congresswoman or congressman is? Kamala Harris, I think. Okay. Or is she? I know she's from um, state of California, but I'm not sure what her like elective position is right now. Few people know the names of the House candidates yeah. they'll be voting for. Like many students at Irvine, the woman you just heard from did not want to be named. As I continue walking across the main quad at Irvine, I meet another person. She's fine being named, but doesn't want her name linked to Steve Knight, a Republican running for re-election in another targeted district, outside Orange County and House District 25 in Los Angeles and Ventura counties. The name is fine just as long as um, the person who I'm voting for is not published. Steve Knight? My, yeah. You I don't want, want, it, I don't want my name. I don't want people to know who I'm voting for. After an hour, I pack up my equipment and drive to Fullerton, where I talk to 11 students, all of whom are fine being named. The pattern proves similar, though. Students are registered but remain unaware of individual candidates. And do you know who your representatives are, who your candidates are in Congress? No. No, so no, you're just relying look, yeah. on the ballot. Pretty much. Well, and the Internet. Yes, of course. Yeah. <laughs> Only one student told me he would not vote. Albert Deng is a 26-year-old Vietnamese philosophy student who has been turned off from politics entirely. He's never voted and doesn't plan to vote anytime um, soon. I don't think the uh, electoral college system is uh, fair. I don't believe in voting for lesser of two evils, and I think uh, politicians don't really present themselves um, accurately in the way they actually act when they are elected. So I think um, voting participates in a game that I just don't like. Um, so essentially... Uh, voting participates in a game you don't like. Yeah. That's so sad. I know. I, I think our government's sad, unfortunately. I think the way the system is is sad. He's the only person of the 26 I interview who tells me he's not voting. Still, Dang's views are unusual. At Fullerton, Latino and Asian students were largely energized. Amanda Ruiz is voting in the midterms and thinks students like Dang can't complain if they don't vote. So it's funny when people don't vote and then they complain about it, so I don't want to be associated with those kind of people. Jonathan Chacon is voting in Los Angeles and thinks it's important for fellow Latinos to do the same. Given the kind of uh, intense political climate, I think it's a lot of people just want to have more of a say, I guess. So I think normally people that... Uh, uh, historically we've had like small voter turnout so I think it's Latinos I think Asians as well uh, uh, I think they'll have a lar much larger representation I think this this at least with this, these upcoming elections at lunchtime I interrupt three Latino students freshmen Ariana and Andrea Nunez and Alexis Reyes all tell me they'll vote because we just registered oh just yeah. registered yeah. oh yeah, cool so right, still yeah. researching yeah. and all that gotcha and is this your first time voting for yeah. all of you yeah. Why did you decide to register? Because um, it's important. Yeah, like I want my voice to like be heard. I guess like to make a change in our community. 
And are you all freshmen? Yeah. Freshmen, nice. Cal State Fullerton is located just inside the boundaries of House District 39, which is perhaps the most tightly contested congressional race in California. Republican Young Kim and Democrat Gil Cisneros are competing for an open seat to replace Ed Royce, the Republican congressman who announced earlier this year he won't seek re-election. District 39 is in many ways reflective of the larger trend happening in Orange County. It's experienced tremendous demographic changes, highlighted by growing Asian and Latino populations. And as the candidates will tell you, it's critical to mobilize support from these lower propensity voters. So this is really exciting for the minority ethnic community, like the Korean community. But when I'm elected, I will also be the first Asian American Republican woman. This excites the very diverse district, like the 39th district. We're talking to voters in multiple languages. Uh, we're talking to them in Mandarin and Cantonese and uh, Korean, Spanish and English. You know, we have literature in Tagalog and in the Vietnamese. Uh, we're trying to, to talk to everybody, as many voters as we can. Orange County GOP Chair Fred Whitaker thinks it'll be a hotly contested race given the demographic changes in the district. Well, certainly demographics can be a challenge, but I think if you look at Congressional District 39, the Republican Party's meeting the challenge well. That district in 2012 was a predominantly Anglo district. Now it's 34% Latino, 32% Asian, and 28% Anglo. Yet we as Republicans still have a 1.7% registration advantage. Young Kim is a fantastic candidate. Kim says she'd be the first Asian American Republican woman in the House. She also has a story. She's an immigrant from South Korea who graduated from elementary school there. She then continued her education in Guam and Hawaii before coming to California to go to USC. Fast forward, she served in the California State Assembly. So I feel like I really know the district that I'm running in, the experience matter. Kim is unique from many of her fellow Republican House candidates in Orange County. She's portraying herself as a moderate who will be independent from President Donald Trump. Is Trump helping or, or hindering your messaging? Well, I am running as my own person. So I am running neither as for, with him or against him. I am just running to focus on representing the 39th district and the people that believe that I am the best person to represent them. She agrees with Trump's handling of the economy, but opposes his immigration policy of separating families along the U.S.-Mexico border. For Kim, the message to voters is simple. Every person counts. What do you think it's, is going to be the factor between winning and losing this race? One vote. Everybody has to go out and vote. I could lose by one vote, but I could win by one vote. Every vote counts. Central to Kim's campaign is strong turnout from Asian voters. She's expected to perform well in Yorba Linda and Diamond Bar. For Democrat Gil Cisneros, the Latino vote could make or break his campaign. Hey everybody, how are you today? Can we start with the union call, please? It's Thursday night and I'm with Annabelle Navarez. She joined Cisneros' campaign in January and is knocking on doors to rally support for him ahead of the midterms. We're in La Habra, a city in the northwest corner of Orange County 
with a majority Latino population. A high turnout in La Habra could put Cisneros over the top. I voted for him in the primary because I, I liked um, um, what he said on TV also. I, I heard him talking, mm -hmm. I mean, nice, the way he grew up in um, this country and all that. So yeah. I don't know, but I, I read a paper about that. Um, that, that that thing got me confused because um, it says that um, he's making a lot of, um, um, what do you call, um, uh, things to be for people to vote because he has a lot of money. And um, I don't know, something like that. Uh, so, mm, I don't know. This is Irene Moreno. She voted for Cisneros in the primary, but is unsure whether she'll vote for him on election day. She's been swayed by some TV ads funded by outside Republican groups. As Navarez talks to her more, she brings her back to Cisneros' side. One of the 23 seats that we need to mm -hmm. flip the House in Congress, okay. and we could really do it this year. Okay. And by the end of the conversation, Moreno says she'll vote for him. Yeah, I, I'm gonna, I voted for him, and I think I'm gonna, I'm gonna do it again. Yeah. Thank you so much, I appreciate <laughs> Thank it. Thanks for your time. Thanks for your time. That seems very, scary if someone who voted for him in the primary is having doubts. Yeah, it's the, a lot of these commercials came out after the primary. Seems like a lot of people are watch TV and that's where mm -hmm. they get their information. Yeah, and most of uh, the voters uh, like her that are already Democrats, we, and that are middle-aged, uh, we usually get them back almost all the time. Mm -hmm. And it's just the older voters who are still a little bit you know, doubtful or cynical about what I'm saying. The next day is my final one in Orange County. I drive over from my hotel to talk to Cisneros himself. The drive wasn't pleasant. But my takeaway from knocking on doors with his campaign is Latinos are not some monolithic homogenous group. There's a diversity of thought. The previous day, I met an older gentleman who didn't want to be named. He was a traditional Democrat, but was voting for Kim this time because he strongly opposes abortion. Born a razor, I was a registered Democrat all my life, but these guys are changing too much. Gotcha. All right, and how do I spell your first name, Mr. Well, Castillo? Uh, don't, don't put my name on it. All right, thank you. And as I approach Cisneros' office, I know I have to ask him about this. No Asian or no Latino is a monolithic group. It's, uh, it, there's a wide swath within that specific range. You're right. How do you, capture the wide spectrum of Latinos or Asians? Because it's a, a very diverse group within that. It's just going out there and talking about the issues and being uh, you know, true to yourself. Um, it doesn't matter who I'm talking to, whether I'm talking to Latinos or I'm talking to Asians or I'm talking to, uh, you know, to Anglos. It, it's, for me, it's all the same. It's about you know, education, uh, taking health care and making sure that we're protecting those that, that have pre-existing conditions, protecting Social Security and Medicare, doing real income tax reform, uh, not this horrible bill that the Republicans passed that added $1.5 trillion to our deficit. The tax cuts. The tax cut, well, tax cuts for the wealthy and for corporations. You know, in, in our district, on average, it's going to add the, the working families are going to have to pay $11,000 more in taxes. Cisneros also has a unique story. He's a former Republican who left the party around the time President Barack Obama took office. And in 2010, he won a $266 million lottery jackpot, which he used in part to start a charitable foundation. As for the rest of the money, 
he's living comfortably. Sounds like you've got plenty to live on. <laughs> well, I, I, I'm not complaining. <laughs> and, uh, and if I did, I'm sure a lot of people wouldn't listen. There are other GOP seats in Orange County that are also under attack. There's District 45 between Congresswoman Walters and Democrat Katie Porter, who was unavailable to be interviewed for this story. Walters agreed to talk quickly before giving a speech at the gas tax rally. She's making the race a referendum on Trump. If the Republicans lose the majority of the House, we will go back to the Obama-era ways. High government regulation and higher taxes. And we don't want that to happen, and we're not going to let it happen. Then there's District 48, located along the coast of Orange County by Huntington Beach. That race is between Republican Rohrbacher and Democrat Harley Ruda. Rohrbacher's campaign did not respond to repeated interview requests. Ruda, however, spoke at length with me in his Newport Beach office about his campaign's messaging going into midterms. I tell people that I am running to bring common sense for common ground in Washington, D.C., that there's too much extremism, too much corruption in politics, and we need new leadership. Dana Rohrbacher is an example of the former. He's been there 30 years. He's been in the pocket of special interests, and uh, we need new leadership, and I'm prepared to lead. Walters won her district in 2016 by over 17 percentage points. Rohrbacher's nearing his 30th year in Congress and has a strong track record of electoral victories. Whitaker of the Republican Party had this to say. Um, the idea that Mimi Walters or Dana Rohrbacher are going to have tight races um, is mostly made up by the media and the Democrats spending about $30 million. Our race, uh, we know how to run our races. We have uh, good registration advantages in both districts. Both of those candidates will be just fine. Um, and we have great voter enthusiasm too. For the record, Republican groups are also pouring millions of dollars into both races. And finally, there's House District 49, which sits next to the Pacific Ocean and stretches from the lower part of Orange County down to San Diego County. This race is between Democrat Mike Levin and Republican Diane Harkey. They're competing for Republican Darrell Ice's old seat. Whitaker thinks this will be the hardest race for Republicans to win, since only a small part of the district is in Orange County. For the hardest races for Republicans, I think Congressional District 49. Um, you know, we were able to help Darrell Issa win re-election by 1,600 votes uh, in 2016. Um, we did that with uh, producing a 17,000 vote margin for him out of oh, the Orange County portion of the district. So that means we overwhelmed losses in San Diego County. Uh, we have to do that again for Diane Harkey. Um, and so uh, I think that will be one of our tighter races. This was how I spent 48 hours in Orange County, talking to candidates about their messaging, joining one campaign's door-knocking efforts, and meeting with everyday voters, particularly college students. If you liked today's show, please leave us a review. It boosts our ratings, which helps other listeners find our show. Word of mouth also helps. We'll be back in your podcast feed in two weeks with a look ahead at what's on tap for California's next governor. Our show will be recorded in part at the Sacramento Bee's California Priority Summit next Friday. The event is from 8 a.m. to 1.30 p.m. in Sacramento. It's free and open to the public. You can check our show notes for more information on how to RSVP. I look forward to seeing you there. Until next time, I'm Brian Anderson. This is California Nation. If politics is a sport, mm -hmm. what sport is it and why? I don't know. I would say uh, if it were a sport, it'd be maybe more like soccer. 
because uh, there's a lot of back and forth. Um, there's a lot of dirty, dirty play in there. And then there's a lot of just flat out like, you know, people taking the fall and lying, you know.